Shelly Luther will spend the next week in jail. Now that you're one salon owner in North Texas, well, she learned that the hard way. And a hair salon owner who had also opened up her store has been jailed. Luther tore up the citation to the cheer of the crowd. But in Dallas, salon, salon owner Shelly Luther faced seven days in jail for... So your client is in jail right now? But yesterday, a woman by the name, and I want you to remember this name, a woman by the name of Shelly Luther in Texas. We don't support the random jailing of, for example, the woman who's now a household name, Shelly Luther. I thought it was terrible. I thought he was a terrible judge. The, the prisoner would like to speak a word. You need to apologize. What were you thinking when he said he, you need to apologize to the politicians? I was like, what? So, sir, if you think the law is more important than kids getting fed, then please go ahead with your decision, but I am not going to shut the salons. They're putting this woman in jail because she's trying to feed her kids. The whole thing is screwed up. Well, I'm, I'm proud to stand with Shelley Luther, and I'll tell you what happened to her was wrong. Yeah! I'm not anyone special. I just know that I have rights. You have rights to feed your children and make income. Right. And anyone that wants to take away those rights is wrong. We only had people in Washington, D.C. who had half the guts of this patriot play Shelley Luther. Hi, I'm Shelley Luther, owner of Salon a la Mode. During my year-long journey, I've met with many other people like myself that have had to make critical decisions at crucial moments in their lives. These modern day heroes were presented with a situation that required them to reach down deep inside and act with strength, courage, and faith. And that's why I'm excited to bring these ordinary everyday people and their extraordinary defining moments to you on my show, Courage to Stand. Now, I am very excited for you guys to meet my next guest. Um, this is something that you will think is crazy. I think it's crazy. Um, and I'm sure my guest thinks it's crazy until you're in the middle of a court battle. Um, I want to introduce you to my very courageous, amazing guest, Mr. Jeff Younger. Hi. Hello. Thanks for coming. Oh, no, I'm pleased to be here. Thank you for having me. I wish this was under different circumstances. Yes. Um, your story is unbelievable, and I want people to hear your side of the story because I know that there's other people telling your story as if they know what's going on. Right. So in the first segment, let's, t let's talk about you, your life, before any of this happened because I want to kind of get to know you, Jeff, as mm. a person. You're a military veteran. Yep. Tell us about that. So I've been in both the Army and the Marine Corps um, in my what I like to call my checkered past or my misspent youth. Um, I was very eager to join the military, and I left home at 15, forged my birth certificate, and actually joined the U.S. Marine Corps in 1980. You forged, so at 15 years old, you're in the Marines? Yep, I'm in the Marines. I go through recruit training. I get caught uh, in infantry school uh, going through a security check, and there, it was actually my, um, I was, I was uh, from Plainview, Texas, and it was my dentist in Plainview who gave me up. What? So but this guy's way too young. He yeah, cannot be. He can't be right. <laughs> um, so I was sent back to the San Diego MCRD, and I was uh, out processed there. They gave me a one-way bus ticket anywhere I wanted to go. And uh, my grandmother had lived in Houston, so I went there, and I worked my way through high school there um, on my own, lived on my own. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, when I turned 18... I joined the Army because the Marine Corps wouldn't take me until I was 24 after that stunt. Yeah. And um, I went to Fort Benning. I went through the infantry school there. 
Uh, I went through the Airborne School, went into the Ranger Indoctrination Program, and went back to the Airborne School. Um, and an event happened there where there's just a cook, someone I didn't even know, uh, who worked in the Chow Hall, the 45th company mm -hmm. in the Airborne School. And uh, I guess he was gay. And because they discharged him, they gave him a disarmable discharge for being gay. That's, and, and back then they just say that because that's how it was back then. You cannot be gay. You just can't be gay and be in the military. Right. And um, maybe a lot of people don't know this, but like disarmable discharges are like way worse than federal felony convictions. You are permanently ineligible for everything. I'm not even sure you could even get social security benefits after wow. a disarmable discharge. It was really a punishment and it was designed for men who had shown cowardice in battle. And I thought this was just was just was completely inappropriate. They could have given if they didn't want to give him an honorable discharge, they could have given him a general discharge. Right. Which which has some consequences, but nothing like a disarmable discharge. Mm -hmm. So I led a protest uh, across the street from the base. Unfortunately, at one point, I crossed the street onto the sidewalk on the side of the base. At one point, and they used that as a basis to say that I had protested on base. And um, uh, they discharged me for consorting with homosexualities. Actually, I think the phrase was, I admitted to consorting with homosexualities. Consorting. Yeah. Mm. So they gave me an honorable discharge. Um, uh, I left the army and I became um, uh, a programmer. Mm -hmm. And I worked with mathematicians doing operations research problems in the oil field and oil refineries. And I became an, an applied mathematician having never gone to college. That's so awesome. Yeah, I didn't even go to college till I was uh, 35. And that was just because my military benefits were about to run out. And I went to the University of Dallas. Mm -hmm. And while I, it's a very conservative Roman Catholic school, mm -hmm. I studied philosophy and mathematics there. And uh, while I was there, they uh, convinced me of the sacramental vision um, of the church, church history and church tradition. So I went from being an atheist to being a sort of a Christian and while I could never really accept some of the papal theology, I wound up going to orthodoxy because it's basically Catholicism without the Pope. Right. And I became a, a devout Christian and my life changed radically there. I had been, I would say, quite hedonistic in the 90s in my, in my youth. Right. And uh, as a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, to the point of actual like moral dissipation. It, it mm -hmm. was, I mean, I would spend $800 a month on frivolous drinking and cavorting mm -hmm. and partying. Um, and, I, you know, I, I've always, you know, done well for myself. So I always had lots of money. Mm -hmm. um, after I became a Christian, I started giving my money away and I reduced my possessions. And I actually had considered joining a monastery. Mm. In fact, when I met my ex-wife, uh, I was living in an efficiency apartment. Um, I had allowed myself a bookshelf, a desk, a chair, and a computer. And that was it. Essentials. Yeah. I had a bedroll that I would sleep on, but I was even in the process of getting rid of even more things. Um, it is a form of fasting mm -hmm. and preparing myself for perhaps going into the monastery. Um, but I, I met my ex-wife. I fell in love with her. Did you meet her at school or? No, uh, we actually met online. She was a, uh, she was a physician. She, um, she captured me with the cleverness of her, of her writing. Mm -hmm. And then we hit it off quite well. And um, she was, um, I would say she was liberal, but had had some experiences with her family that had caused her to reconsider that. And she, I think she used me to kind of explore 
the, the sort of conservative world of social thinking. Right. Um, and eventually she became a whole-on conservative, just like me. She converted to orthodoxy, just like me. Um, we were married. We, we, um, uh, she had two children, which... Um, From a previous marriage well, or a previous well, relationship? Well, that's the thing. So um, I was told that they were adopted. From her? She told you this? Yes. Okay. Um, uh, I later found out that, that that was true in one case, not true in another. And in the case in which it was true, important information had been left out. So when we got married, you know, I'm entering into a stepdad role, which I was very trepidatious about. Right. Um, and I find out about a year into the marriage that one of the daughters uh, was indeed adopted but from her brother, who was a three-time convicted felon and had exposed this child to methamphetamine in the womb. Oh, no. And had done something with food to basically torture her with food. She could not be fed as a child because she had been tortured with food. Which isn't the child's fault, but no. it's something that as someone coming into I would have liked this relationship, it's, it's good to know yeah. um, just to be yeah. prepared for things that could happen. Yeah. You, it, it, it would be respectful for it, you to know? It set a pattern of a kind of dishonesty right. in our relationship that would repeat over and over again. Um, the other daughter, uh, who is, um, well, let me just say some good things about the adopted daughter, um, because I uh, particularly loved her and still do. And um, she, she, was, she was highly spirited and... Uh, uh, absolutely ingenious um, in the way she thought about the world and a clever person and I enjoyed my time with her and I, I actually miss that time still. Mm -hmm. Her other daughter was highly intelligent, um, forthright, courageous. Um, she was from a sperm donor. She had no father. Um, those qualities were selected for, um, you know, in a sperm bank and um, that was a little shocking because that's quite a serious violation of the ideas about proper ethical conduct in the Orthodox Church. Right. Or um, just as a person, honestly. Yes. Yeah. Another thing that I would have liked to have known, right? Before, yeah. I mean, it's respectful. Yeah. And especially with your wife being a physician. Is she, she's a pediatrician or she's your ex-wife? She's a pediatrician ex -wife, I mean? in Capel, Texas. Yeah. Um, you would think that she would know, like, mentally what children are going through and yes. how important that would be for you to know. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So um, really we had a, a wonderful life for two years. Um, I have to say in many ways, it's a life that I still, uh, I still uh, long for in a way. I, um, it was exactly the life that I wanted to live in my old age. You know, mm -hmm. I had been in the military in my youth. I had done, lived the commercial life Mm -hmm. in my middle years and the idea of, of spending time with, with uh, children and having children and perhaps, you know, doing some scholarly writing in my old age was the kind of vision that I had. Right. So um, we got along well. We never, we never had any major conflicts, um, nothing. And then we, uh, we just decided to have children. And she just one day said, do you want to have kids? And I said, of course I do. Mm -hmm. Love to have children. Right. Children. In fact, I wanted to have children with her. Mm -hmm. it turned out that she was too old. Um, and um, she had no viable eggs. So we used an egg donor. Mm -hmm. 
and um, at the last minute I was asked, you know, they can, they can implant two in case one doesn't work. Right. And then we got twin boys. Okay. It was it's a, a party. It was wonderful. <laughs> I yep. know. You it might as well, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And um, I was present when they were born and uh, I was the first one to hold them. And um, my son, uh, Jude, who is the second born, James is the first born. Mm -hmm. um, Jude had a very difficult birth. I'm pretty sure without modern medical intervention, he would have died. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, even just medical intervention, maybe 50 years ago, he would have probably died. Wow. He went straight to the NICU. His vital signs were all messed up. He wasn't, wasn't right. Um, and so they in, invited me into the NICU and they said, you know, just, just touch his back. Okay, so I just touched my son's back, and within 15 minutes, all of his vitals went to normal. That's so crazy. He just needed to be touched by, by his parents. Yes. Um, and I think Jude and I have carried that relationship forward even to today. Mm -hmm. um, Jude and I uh, communicate probably 90% non-verbally. We know. We know what the other Watson's thinking. Mm -hmm. um, if I'm un even uncomfortable on the couch, he'll, he knows where to put the pillow. Mm -hmm. I know when, I, I'm often walking into his room before he wakes up and he wakes up. You can feel him waking up. I it's almost tell. like a twin. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We have that closeness, he and I. How old are the boys today? They're eight, about okay. to be nine. Okay. Yeah. Um, I named them after the brothers of Jesus, James and Jude. And um, in the Orthodox uh, tradition, uh, you adopt a Christian name because in the in the old days, the Christians had pagan names, and many mm -hmm. of them were named after the, the, the pagan gods, so they took a Christian name. Um, so that becomes your middle name. And so uh, James is named after the saints that I'm named after, Cosmos and Damianos, and they mm -hmm. were unmercenary physicians in Syria that gave away their care for free, and Jude was named after the prophet Daniel. Okay. So those of you who do pray, those are my child saints. Um, and I have taught them. We have their icons up in, in the house. Um, we believe every house is a church. And um, I've taught my boys to emulate their saints. And by and large, interestingly, they have done that. And I wonder if that's the power of prayer. Me, my education, or they were just born that way, I'm not sure. Maybe every, um, all of it. Yeah, maybe. Um, and they're temporarily very different. Um, Probably the best way to understand that is through an event where I had an epiphany about my sons when they were very young, maybe like one and a half. Um, I could not understand the modern cartoons. So I would look at Power Rangers. I said, what is this? I do not know what is going on here. So I just went back to like when I was a kid, I watched Johnny Quest. So I went and bought all the Johnny Quest DVDs. Mm -hmm. And so we're watching stuff from the 1960s where they actually carry guns. They actually fly planes. They're like scaling mountains. They like do real stuff, you know. So we're watching this one called The Invisible Monster. I'll never forget it. That's why it's, I remember the name of it. Um, and there's this one part where the monster is chasing Bandit, the little dog. And James says, look, Bandit's running away. And Jude said, look, he's scared. And I realized that through the entire cartoon, James had been living the outer life of the characters and Jude had been living the inner life well. of the characters. And it was uh, just a really key insight about who my sons were. Right. You know? Uh, so they're, while they're twins, they're very different. Um, and I have learned so much from them, like stuff like that. Yeah. Which has allowed me to deal with people, adults, in different ways, which I never considered that. That people, people would 
I'm rather introverted. I think of people's inner lives when I deal with people. I never thought of dealing with them purely from their lives. And I learned that from my son. So they're like, there's like little things like that along the way that, um, that I cherish those things. Um, you know, I think it's with you being a little bit older, having your kids too. I think so. um, yeah. You could be in tune with them or understand them more. I, I remember yeah. having my first daughter at 23. I was still a kid. Sure. You know, you're and figuring it out. I'm just trying to like figure out how to pay for food yes. at that point, not yes. in tune with my kids, yeah. you know? Yeah. So there is a benefit to that. I think so. Well, we're going to talk soon about how things suddenly changed okay. and the pickle that you're in right now. Okay. Um, you guys do not want to miss this. It will make you angry and upset. Um, and hopefully enough to where we can do something about this and help Jeff and his journey. We'll be right back. The following are sponsors for today's show. If you'd like to become a sponsor, please visit us at couragetostand.com. Amy Autry authors customized health insurance options. She's licensed and appointed with multiple health insurance and health share companies so she can review all your health insurance needs, advise, enroll, and support you ongoing with your policy. Amy has over six years of experience as a health insurance broker to save you time and money in shopping and enrolling in a customized health plan that fits your needs and budget. Her services are free, so give her a call at 817-809-4409. That's Amy Autry at 817-809-4409. Looking to buy or sell real estate in North Texas? The Neal team with Better Homes and Gardens Winans specialize in residential and farm and ranch properties. Call our friends, Donnie and Darla at 903-744-5475 or email neal at winansbhg.com. Just one call, and as Donnie says, the pretty blonde and the ugly cowboy can put the power of two to work for you. Your journey starts here. Again, Donnie and Darla Neal at 903-744-5475. Jarrah Hutchins owns Clearing the Chamber, a female-owned firearms and self-defense training company that specializes in teaching women, youth, and families how to stay safe. We have a class for everything, including intro to handgun, time management for the gun owner, how to talk to your kids about firearms, license to carry, and how to protect what you're expecting, a class for new and expecting mothers. We have all five-star reviews on Facebook and respond quickly to your questions. Give us a call at 469-665-9333 or email clearingthechamber at gmail.com and schedule your free consultation. Again, that consultation is free. Just give us a call at 469-665-9333. Welcome back, everybody. I'm here with Jeff Younger. He is in the news today, and not because you want to be. That's right. um, you're going through a really tough time right now, and it's definitely heartbreaking. Can you tell us, you were talking about your sons, uh, Jude and James, mm -hmm. and your now ex-wife, um, can you tell us what happened? Like, give us, give us the details of what started to really change this whole relationship of this perfect world that you were living. You know, it started with this, the, the usual sort of uh, stormy relationship a stepfather encounters with teenage stepdaughters. Okay. And when that process began, um, there was a, just a giant flip uh, in my ex-wife's behavior. Mm -hmm. um, she began to just distrust everything I said. 
she didn't she didn't um, she didn't al uh, allow me like any room in the house. She would always come checking on me and everything. Um, and one of the key events when I look back on it, <clears throat> she would put my son James into timeout, and she would say, "The monsters only eat boys. Be quiet." What does that even mean? Like, where, I, where do you think she... I think she was training him from before two years old to be a girl. And... and, and, and sh go ahead. I, I just don't understand. Like, I, I'm, I'm tr like, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm thinking, what is the audience thinking? Like, why would someone want to change their child into a girl? Like, do you, do you have any... Have you ever asked her this? Or what do you we, think? We have, we have an official answer from the court record. The official answer under sworn testimony is that James chose a girl's toy and a, and a McDonald's Happy Meal. And he, he wanted to buy a silver purse that had a, a, a brightly colored horse on it. And Those that makes are, him, he wants to be a girl after that. She literally socially transitioned him after that. That's literally every boy everywhere. You're right. What age was this? Three. If you go out to YouTube and you Google, mommy says I'm a girl, you will find a video of my son. It has millions of views. It went viral. It's on many, many channels. Um, and that is me discovering for the first time. It's the first iPhone video I ever took. And uh, he's saying, he's wearing um, uh, uh, a dish towel on his head. And I said, hey man, what are you wearing? We had just watched Lawrence of Arabia. So I thought, oh man, oh, yeah. Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. Um, he says, no, I'm a girl. And I said, oh, okay. We had watched Frozen. So I thought, okay, yeah, who, which character are you from Frozen? Mm -hmm. He said, no, mommy says I'm a girl. And so I got my iPhone out and I asked him about that. What did you just say to me? He said, mommy says I'm a girl. Um, and he goes through how mommy says he has a girl's brain in a boy's body. He wears dresses. Um, you know, his name is, is Luna. It's not James. Who came up with the name Luna? That's interesting. That came out at trial, too. So that was not his choice. He never chose a girl's name. Uh, when they pushed him to choose a name, he chose Starfire from a cartoon. And they said, well, that can't be right. You'll need to, like, pick a girl's. And they pushed him towards Luna. Okay, wait. The but, name can't be right, but all this other stuff, that's correct, right. Correct. <laughs> it turns out, we find out later, Luna is the, the name of a famous transgender novel. She began reading him the story of Jazz Jennings. If you know Jazz Jennings in California, he's a, a, a boy who went through transgender surgery very young. They put him on cross-sex hormones at 10, and he didn't even have enough penile tissue to do the surgery. They had to use his colon. So you're saying, oh my gosh. So she was reading him this story uh, about Jazz Jennings. Um, I'm talking like- And he's three. Three years old. She's reading him, I am Jazz, yeah at three. So I'm immediately against this. I tell her to stop doing this. I, I'm talking about, you know, I'm using every religious argument I can think of. Um, it starts getting worse. She begins to present him publicly as a girl. Like wearing dresses. Mm -hmm. She started getting him ac accustomed to it by taking him to malls and things. Um, and then finally she enrolled him in school as a girl, public school as a girl in Capel, Texas. How do you, how do you do that without court papers? Well, that's kind of, that's what the one thing that the court found in my trial was that she had illegally changed his name without my consent. Um, but nevertheless, despite that, and I have a court, I have another quarter. So I've been through so many trials. So I've been through five years of litigation. I've spent almost a million dollars on this litigation to protect this, this little boy. 
And I have two court orders that have adjudicated that he's of the male sex, that he's a boy by gender, and his name is James. And the school district will not stop teaching him that he's a girl. In fact, when I took James to school as a boy, his teacher gave him a dress to wear. She just happened to have a dress there? I think Anne had left it there. Not sure, but that's what I think. I, so this they, is in Capel. Yeah, Capel, Texas, the Capel Independent School District. I went through the administrative process. It's called the grievance process. Um, and at every stage of the process, they determined they were not violating my parents' rights. They were not harming James. They weren't doing anything wrong. I, I, I just can't believe this. That's the problem. That's why I'm trying so hard to pass a law. It's sad that you have to pass a yep. law because it seems like common sense yep. um, that a child that's three years old or anyone, I mean, kids can't even legally smoke cigarettes till they're 18 years right. old or go fight in a war till they're 18. No. We deem them not, their brain is not fully mm -hmm. developed. And you're trying to tell me that this woman thinks that a three-year-old is deciding yep. their gender at three and, years old. And it's not just her. And this is the problem. When you talk about common sense, yeah, you can't get a tattoo till you're 18. Parents can't tattoo their children until they're 18, right? We don't let parents tattoo children's faces, right? But we're talking about giving children cross-sex hormones, which permanently sterilizes them and prevents the normal growth of their skeleton, okay? These kids get osteoporosis in their 20s, life-threatening osteoporosis. We're talking about surgery where they're lopping off healthy body parts. You know, in trial, uh, our, their experts, we deposed them. They testified that uh, one doctor said she had personally referred over 200 prepubescent girls for total mastectomies. And when we asked her, what is the medical basis for removing healthy body parts? She said, if they cause psychological distress, they're not healthy body parts. That's how crazy these people are. So I've had- I mean, honestly, I've, if you, just thinking about it in common sense, if I think my head makes me crazy, you should chop it off? That's basically, she, she literally made the argument that people with body dysmorphia that like think something's wrong with their leg, just cut it off. They can amputate it, and that's, and that's totally illegal in the United States. You can't do that. Um, but she's saying that if it's transgender, it, it is legal, right? The reason that's so serious is um, the American Psychological Association has told all of its members that when a child comes in and presents as a gender that's different from their sex, they, you must affirm them. You cannot, it is against their standards to help a child identify with their biological sex. It's so getting them counseling or anything, mm -hmm. because I read that you were ordered counseling. Oh, you yes. had to pay five grand in counseling for you, James and Jude. $4,000 a month. A month, but affirming his Correct. gender dysphoria. Correct. They're required to. They're not allowed to help a child identify with his biological sex. They're not allowed to do that. Um, the Texas Psychological Association, in response to my case, put out a special communication to all of its members here in Texas saying the same thing. So here, my, my son is emblematic of what's happening. With a 30-minute interview, a pediatrician diagnosed my son with gender dysphoria. Despite the fact that he only presents as a girl with his mom, and he presents as a boy with everyone else. Have you ever tried to put a dress on him at your house? I had ever... a, for a long period of time, I had a dress at his house, that he, in his closet, that he could put on at any time. He was caught in the middle of the night throwing it away. He threw it away. So it's, it's something like it's, he's just trying to please his yeah, mother. that's right. And the rule for the pedi pediatric community is that it should be persistent, insistent, and consistent. consistent. And it's none of those three if he's acting this way. 
So then she referred him to a gender psychologist named Rebecca. Oh, the uh, pediatrician is uh, at 18 and under MD in Flower Mound. And she serves, she's serving children to this day. Parents need to know about this stuff. Don't go to 18 under MD. Then she, she referred him to a counselor uh, at Rainbow Counseling in Oaklawn named Rebecca Orr, who in a one-hour interview diagnosed him with gender dysphoria again without ever talking to me. These people never talked to me. He's your son. You've never, lived with them. Never talked to me. And then she referred him to the Genesis Clinic, which is a gender clinic, to explore, and this came out in the medical records, quote, the medical side of treatment at eight or nine. Y'all, the Genesis Clinic is right here in Dallas. Um, children's Hospital. In Children's Hospital, where kids can go seek medical advice for their gender dysphoria. They chemically castrate kids there. That's what the clinic is created for. They give them puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones. So at that point, I realized it was going to have to be all-out resistance. Yeah. So I, I lawyered up. I denied consent for them to treat my son at the Genesis Clinic. Um, and we went to trial. Um, I asked for complete conservatorship rights. The jury declined to do that. The jury um, made us joint managing conservators and we have equal shared parenting rights right down the line. I can't exercise any parenting right without her consent and she can't exercise any without my consent. Mm -hmm. And that let me stop her from chemically castrating him at eight. But it was just, as you can see, it was a close run thing. But that is so crazy because she's putting him in danger. She is. So now what's happened is I had, I was, uh, they, the court ordered that I had to have family counseling with my sons. There were nine things that I, they had to cover with me. It was things like loving your kids unconditionally, um, knowing about signs of bullying, things like that, right? They were supposed to, in January or June, that's in the order, um, grant me 50-50 custody and no child support. And the 50-50 custody is really important because he needs to spend more time with men and with me, with mm -hmm. his dad. Mm -hmm. to balance out what his mom has done. Mm -hmm. The counselors have delayed it and delayed it and delayed it. So now here we are. We're over, a, we're a year and a quarter later. I still don't have 50-50 possession. I'm still paying $40,000 a year in child and medical support. I'm still under a $4,000 a month counseling order. And when these counselors start to work with my son, they refuse to see my son as a boy when he comes from my house. They so they, they call him Luna they and treat him, him as a girl. Correct. And they refuse to see him when he's James with me. This is a big problem in Texas, I know for sure, mm -hmm. um, because they, dads, ought, just like this is clear, all of this stuff about James, dads are not getting 50% custody no. of their children no, they're and they're not. perfectly capable of keep taking care of their kids. Yes. That, need, that needs to be recognized quickly, number yeah. one. Yes. And number two, she's putting him in danger and you can't even... Yeah. And I've been through uh, seven CPS, well, there's been seven total in the case. And CPS is so terrified of this issue that they just say neither parent is abusing the child. And they want out of it. So what's clear is the agencies, the schools, the courts, uh, CPS, they all need legislative guidance. And we have to have laws against this. And that's what I've been working really hard to do. And now they're using all kinds of legal maneuvers to try to shut me up. Prior to that sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, I thought you'd appreciate that. <laughs> well, we did speak. I think there was a rally that we had um, late last year where we spoke about and we were outside the judges, not at the judge's house, but at the park talking about gender dysphoria. I me this. being a teacher, um, having uh, one of the students 
it was worse for the student than it was for any of the other kids. We had to right. go through personal training as teachers. Yeah. We couldn't use the improper pronouns, even though I'm looking directly at the sex. And the yep. kids are looking at me like, what do we do? And they get in trouble for laughing. It's like, right. it creates a mess. Why it not does. just wait till you're 18? Like every other thing they have to wait for. Here's the startling fact. If you wait until they go through puberty, depending on the study you look at, the low end is 80%, the high end is 99% of these children grow out of it and come to identify with their biological sex. Well, imagine that. That's why the leftists, the practitioners of what I call identity medicine, you have identity politics, these mm -hmm. practitioners, these wicked practitioners of identity medicine, that's why they want to block puberty so early. Well, they'd be out of business. It's the cure. Puberty is the cure for gender dysphoria. So they block the cure, and then they get a kid on a $4 million life lifetime medication stream. Every child they treat is a $4 million lifetime income stream. Well, and it also, not just those drugs, but the other drugs they're going to need for the osteoporosis That's and right. all the other problems that they're going to have. That's right. So you were awarded 50-50 custody in the latest trial, but yep. now they're calling you back to court. Yeah, because I refuse to allow him to see counselors who will affirm him as a girl because I have two court orders saying he's a boy. And because they refuse to see him when he's dressed as a boy from my house. They'll only see him from her house when he's dressed as a girl. They, I, 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 again, used my parental rights and removed consent for them to treat my son. What they're doing is harmful to my son. I'm a fit parent. I've a judge that what they're doing is harmful. Mm -hmm. So the opposing counsel is that claiming that I am... Uh, I am denying counseling to the boys, which is endangering their uh, emotional well-being. And so they have, uh, they have filed a motion to strip me of my parental rights. Completely. All of them. All of them. And uh, this is done under the guise of temporary orders prior to go to trial. So it could take us two years with COVID to go to trial. So during that time, the temporary orders determine how we live. Temporary orders can't be appealed. Right. Once which, they've decided, which is and if they, they think you're unfit, it's almost like you're beating them. Correct. You and don't you, get to see And them. then you live under these arrangements for two years, and it becomes a fait accompli when you get to trial. So they really want to do this because it's not appealable, and it establishes the pattern all the way mm -hmm. into trial. They've also uh, found five occasions in which I paid my child support, but I paid it past the due date of the first. Most of the time this happens because the antiquated payment system that Texas uses. It's horrible. Yeah. It will, have you used it? Yes. You've used it. Yes. So you know how it will give you a mm -hmm. payment confirmation and it never comes out of your bank. So mm -hmm. you have to like constantly check your bank to make mm -hmm. sure it got paid. So they went to, a, you may not know this, they went to a new system, I believe in February. And for whatever reason, it wouldn't, it wouldn't take my card on file. It yeah. never notified me. It never did anything. So I got 30 days behind and then I went to pay it the next month. I said, oh, there's an arrears, so I just paid it all. Mm -hmm. Two days later, I got served with a lawsuit saying that you're, you've been late on five times in five years, you've been late on child support, so we want you to spend six months in jail, spend 10, months on uh, 10 years on community supervision, and they want for to, to put up a $300,000 surety bond. They want to shut you up. They want to shut me up, so they want to take my money away. They mm -hmm. want me in jail, past the end of this legislative session. You have no money. You cannot sue her. You can't try to get your son back or save your son's life, honestly, That's right. is what it is. That's what they want to do. And, so and you have a Facebook page. I do. Uh, save James? Yep. You go onto Facebook, search for Save James. There's mm -hmm. a donation link, and that goes to legal expenses. He's going to have 
over a million now in, in legal expenses. Ask me. I know about legal expenses. Yeah, they're crazy. They're crazy. But we're doing this to save James's life. Um, there's no way that he needs to stay with his mother. He cannot stay with his mother. Least amount is at least 50-50, and that should be with any divorce with case any when, divorce. Both, when both parents are, are fit. It's a whole other conversation. There's three laws that I have considered save James laws that are out there at the legislature right now. Mm -hmm. The first one is HB 68, which is sponsored by Representative Toth, which classifies these procedures mm -hmm. as child abuse. We love Steve Toth. He's amazing. Steve Toth, thank you so much for looking. This is a tough subject, so thank you. And what are the He's other two? He's a true two? Texas patriot. The, the other is HB 1399. And um, this bill would outlaw the procedure so it mm -hmm. makes it illegal for the doctors to do it. And if they do perform it, all liability protections are removed for lawsuits. And is that chemical or just the physical castration? It addresses or? both. Okay, it addresses perfect. Both. You cannot do the chemical, uh, what I call the chemical castration. You cannot administer puberty blockers or hormones for the purposes of transgender, uh, changing the gender of a child. You can mm -hmm. still administer it for precocious puberty for girls or other right. medical conditions. Yep. There are valid reasons to do it for mm -hmm. a short period of time, maybe six months. Um, it's actually not known what happens when children have these for longer than six months. There have been no studies done on it. It's actually considered an experimental use of the drug, and none of the clinics are following the experimental protocols and safeguards required by the FDA. So your son's a guinea pig. Yes, all these children are. Is there a third bill, you said? There's a third bill, which I don't remember the number, but it's an equal shared parenting bill. Perfect. Which would say that whenever you get joint uh, conservatorship of a child that there would be 50-50 custody. Now, mm -hmm. you understand Title IV-D mm -hmm. and the incentives of Title IV-D. Um, this, this is one of the most evil bills that the federal government has ever passed. It has destroyed middle-class families in this country, and you will get no support for ending it from the state. The Texas Attorney General's office gets reimbursement funds from the federal government for the collection of child support. And in fact, there's a statute which requires the family courts to rule in such a way as to always maximize Title IV-D reimbursement funds. If you have 50-50 custody, nobody pays child support, and so there are no reimbursement funds, and the state doesn't get any money. They don't like that. How much money are we talking about? Texas gets three quarters of a billion dollars from this program, and it all goes to the Texas Attorney General's office. Its entire budget is funded from the reimbursement from collection of child support. Mm. So I had a situation where my ex-wife was denying me custody. Mm -hmm. I called the Attorney General to see if they would support it. Mm -hmm. They said, no, it's not our job to help you get custody. Our job is to collect child support. And they're actually legally correct. That is their only job. We have a lot of problems in Texas, but as far as breaking apart a nuclear family and not giving dads support, yeah. um, that's one of the biggest problems we have. So we definitely want to thank Steve Toth for this bill that's coming up. And it's I think amazing. we're hearing it coming yes. up this week soon. I'm going to be there. Excellent. You oh, yeah, there? Yes, I'm going to be there. Tim and yeah. I are going to be there. Okay, great. Um, but anyway, on Facebook, Save James, where you can donate to Jeff Younger. And you can read all about this story. I know it seems like it's not even real. It is. And this is not just him that's fighting this, but he will be the voice. And hopefully we can get James Law passed or something like it to yes. save these kids from this horrible destruction. Don't forget to go to Facebook page Save James so you can help James and Jeff in their journey. We don't have a lot of time, so he's going to need some funding for this. Don't forget to share our show everywhere. That's the only way we get this message out. And thank you all, especially Jeff, for having the courage to stand.